With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good afternoon, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Brunch with Tony. I'm your host as always, Tony Defio, and thank you for joining me on this bittersweet Saturday afternoon. It's nice outside, nice and cool and crisp. So that's the sweet part, and the Steelers are 3-0, and and that's another sweet, delicious part, especially after last year and the year before that, when they were, what, 0-2-1? Oh, 1-2? 1-2? Uh, doesn't matter. Oh, no, they were 0-3 last year. 0-1-1 oh, one one the year, or 1-1-1 one, one one the year before. Eh. So this is much better. Of course, the, uh, the bitter part is no game this week because uh, – Several Titans players and uh, their coaching staff, people in their traveling party, they tested positive for COVID-19. So there will not be a 3-0 versus 3-0 matchup this week. So that's uh, that's unfortunate. So it is bittersweet. So I'll, I'll get into that uh, a little bit later. And I have a lot of things I want to talk about. But first, I just want to uh, encourage you, as always, to please subscribe to our YouTube channel where we bring you several podcasts, sometimes several a day. There's the Steelers Preview, Steelers Hangover, the Live Mic with Michael Beck. Actually, that's a that's just the audio platform. Uh, there's Let's Let's Ride. That's that's another audio. There's the Retro Show. That's another audio only. But as far as the uh, the stuff you can you can catch on both audio and YouTube, there's there's this show, there's uh, the I mentioned the Hangover. That's every, the, the day after every Steelers game with Brian Anthony Davis and myself. There is the Scobro Show with co-editor Dave Schofield and his brother Rich. There's Know Your Enemy, a great show with co uh, deputy deputy editor Michael Beck and Jeffrey Benedict, and they and they always have a a a journalist that covers the Steelers opponent that week last week it was the Tennessee Titans and that was a great show as always a lot of great insight so please subscribe and 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 check us out on 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 YouTube and on any podcasting platform wherever you wherever you listen to podcasts you can find us and of course check out behind the store curtain the website where we bring you articles countless articles each and every day there's 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 commentary, there's news, transactions, injury updates, uh, Titans players coming down with COVID updates. It seems to be never ending. I think a few more tested positive today. So as we like to say, Behind the Snow Curtain is your one-stop shop for all your Steelers needs. And welcome to everybody in the live chat. There's Ryan O'Toole, always a favorite. Dean McRae, that's a new one. Sean Manahan. Uh, who else we have here? Thaddeus Kennedy, Ezra, Dave Shipley, the legend Dave. I'm sure my friend Terry is lurking out there somewhere. Nicholas Morris. So welcome aboard, and I hope we I can give you a great show today. So uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about 
is last week's game between the Steelers and Texans at Heinz Field. The Steelers won 28-21 to 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 uh, improve to 3-0 on the year. And in many ways, I thought it was their their, their best game of the year. I think it was uh, certainly their best offensive performance of the year. I think they had, what, 390 yards, 387 total yards on offense. So it wasn't a... Uh, it wasn't an offensive explosion by any uh, any stretch of the imagination, but I think, as far as consistency f- from uh, first from beginning to end, I think it was their uh, their best performance. Uh, you know, I thought Ben was uh, Ben Roethlisberger was was fairly efficient, still pretty inaccurate on, on the deep ball, that, and that's a slight concern. But but like I talked about last Monday with Brian on on the Steelers hangover, I'd be more concerned if he if he if he couldn't even throw a deep ball right now if he was throw if he was coming up short on a, on a deep ball instead of uh instead of uh overthrowing his receivers that's that seems to be the 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 problem with with ben early on with uh with the deep passes he seems to be overthrowing the receivers and i think that's a uh actually a pretty good sign it shows you that his uh his arm is feeling just fine his elbow is feeling feeling 100 he just has to uh he has to work on his accuracy a little bit and, and for a guy who is now the longest tenured Steeler and, and, and a legend and a, a multi-time Super Bowl winner and a future Hall of Famer. I have no doubt that he will he will uh, get that right eventually. So I, I thought Ben was I thought I thought he looked great overall. I thought um, I thought he distributed the football around uh, rather uh, rather nicely. Eric Ebron led the. Uh, Led the way with five catches, but uh, he still managed to throw for 237 yards. So if you can distribute the football like that, and still, what did he have? Uh, two two touchdown passes, I think. Uh, I'm trying to think on the top off the top of my head. I think he had two. So you know, if you can if you can distribute the football and 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 still uh, put up 200 plus yards and 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 28 points, I think that's that's all you can ask for. And I thought the running game look spectacular i thought that james connor looked as as good as he has all season as, as good as he has since maybe that that miami game last year on, on was it monday night football i thought it was uh was his uh his, his best ga- game in quite some time I, I thought he looked explosive he, he ran hard and you know shame on me for doubting him after after week one but he's clearly the steelers top dog at running back right now uh, but uh, some other guys got in the act, namely rookie Anthony McFarlane. He uh, he only had 42 yards, but he also only had six carries, so he averaged seven yards a carry. And I thought he looked explosive, and I thought he it was a nice little preview of what he could be for that offense—a nice change of pace. Because Connor and, and Benny Snell are uh, are essentially the same kind of running back, as I as I mentioned before. I think they you know they're both you know, kind of downhill runners, shifty. Tough runners, hard-nosed runners, whereas McFarland's that that sort of a uh, breakaway threat, right? Yeah, Willie Parker, that kind of running back who uh, who can take it the distance uh, at any moment and from any distance. I mean, he can go. He has the kind of speed that can go 80, 90 yards like a Willie Parker. So that was that was quite encouraging. I think we've uh, we've had a nice little uh, little. Uh, what am I trying to say? We, we we had a nice little beginning of the year for the Steelers rookie draft class. Obviously, we know what Chase Claypool has been able to bring uh, over the first three weeks, as far as as uh, the deep threat, the, the the nice combat catch on the sideline, 
Uh, he kind of put the game away last week with the uh, little uh, bubble screen. I guess it was the, the little quick screen pass at the end of the game, and he, and, he, and he got the first down. He fumbled. Thankfully, it went out of bounds, so that could have been a bit of a uh, an ode to Xavier Grimble from a couple years ago. But but uh, it, it rolled out of bounds, and 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 the Steelers were able to run off the clock. So um, uh, some key, uh, and then of course. Uh, Kevin Dotson had a great, a great game in week two, uh, filling in for, for David DeCastro as a, a, a emergency starter, basically, because DeCastro was, was injured in training camp and, and Stefan Wisniewski, the, the veteran backup, he was injured in, in week one and he's on IR right now. So I thought Kevin Dotson had a great game and, and Anthony McFarlane did well. And, and, and Alex Highsmith, the third round pick has, uh, has uh, shown some flashes here and there in, in special teams and, and, and filling in for uh, Bud Dupree and, and TJ Watt. So I thought uh, the, the rookies looked great. And and as far as some key points in the game, I thought, I thought the, the interception by Mike Hilton in the, early in the fourth quarter, I thought that was huge. The Steelers were trailing by one. And it looked like the Texans had a chance to, to put some more points on the board. But Hilton uh, intercepted that pass, and the Steelers, to their credit, they they uh, answered and, and and drove right down the field and and scored the uh, the go ahead and winning points on the James Conner uh, touchdown run with uh, six and a half minutes to go. I thought that was huge, and I thought uh, once the uh, at, right after that the Steelers forced a punt, they forced the Texans to punt, and. Uh, the Steelers ran out the clock, and I thought the key play on that drive was the the quick little hitter to to James Washington when I went for it on fourth and one. I think they were at the 35, so they were kind of in no man's land. You really couldn't tr- attempt a field goal right there, otherwise you would you would uh, give the Texans great field position. And p- a punt there probably would have only netted you 15 yards. It would have been uh, a, a tough ask for for uh, Dustin Colquitt to to do a coffin corner from about 35 yards away. So I, I, they were kind of in no man's land. So going for it was the right move. And, and it, it was a, a, a key moment when, when Washington picked up that first down. So, so I'm trying to check out the, uh, the live chat. That's why I'm, I sound a little bit distracted because I know there's some breaking news and uh, th- that breaking news is Cam Newton. I, I read this right before I went online to do the show, Cam Newton tested positive. The uh, Patriots' new quarterback, the veteran quarterback, formerly of the Panthers, he tested positive for COVID, and now that means that the uh, Patriots-Chiefs game will likely be postponed. So more drama as far as that goes. Uh, and, and I guess in a way, it's, it's kind of amazing that the NFL made it almost a month without any positive tests. But now here we are. The uh, Steelers-Titans game has been postponed until later in the year, and who knows what they're going to do with the Patriots and the Chiefs. So that's why I was, if you want to know why I was kind of distracted, I was trying to pay attention to live chat. Probably not a great idea to do on, on a solo show is pay attention to live chat and, and remember your talking points. So anyway, um, as far as more on that later, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on all that stuff uh, later, but I just want to continue on with my analysis of the Steelers and Texans game. And uh, the, the defense the defense um, it didn't look so hot in the first half. It, it yielded over 200 yards and 21 points, three touchdowns. Deshaun Watson, 
the Texans quarterback looked looked great. I mean, he looked fantastic. He was constantly finding the soft spots in the Steelers secondary, uh, the likes of Will Fuller. And I talked about this last week. They have a, a nice set of, of veteran receivers, the Texans do. Will Fuller, Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks. And uh, and that was a little bit, I guess that was a little bit worrisome. But the Texans are a good team. Excuse me. They're, uh, you know, I, I thought they would give the Steelers a good game because they, they, they had to start the season playing against arguably the two best teams in the NFL and, and the Chiefs to open the year and then the Ravens. So, you know, that was a tough task. It's like, uh, you know, if you want to equate it to college football, it's like the Texans came into the year ranked in the top 10 or top 15. Uh, and they had to, and there were some big things expected from them and they had to immediately open up against the top two teams in the country. <laughs> you know, so I didn't think that they, that they were going to come in here and, and, and the Heinz field last week and just roll over and play dead for the Steelers. I, I thought it would be a great game and, and it really was, but you know, as far as the Steelers defense, you have to give them a lot of credit for adjusting in the second half. You know, I, I, yeah, to go from, I think the Texans had 209 yards in the first half and three touchdowns and 51 total yards in the second half and obviously zero points. You know, and once the Steelers got up uh, late, uh, late in the fourth quarter, it felt like even though they were only up by by a touchdown after Connor had the the score and then they uh, then Ben hit Juju Smith-Schuster on the two-point conversion, they were up by a touchdown. But it felt like they were up by so much more than that because the defense had dominated so much in the second half. And now, you know, when, you, when all was said and done, Deshaun Watson, who was obviously very elusive and he doesn't just like to take off and run. He's like another Ben Roethlisberger. He likes to, to, uh, to escape and, and look downfield for, for open receivers. So that's not a very, and it's, it's not an, a, an enviable, ta- enviable task to keep him in check. So, uh, to, to sack him five times and, and to, and to, pressure him so many times and, and uh, the Steelers finished with 12 quarterback hits one week after getting 19 against the Broncos. I mean, my goodness, could you imagine having to prepare for that defense? I mean, you know, you're going to be sore if you're a quarterback having to prepare. Imagine what Ryan Tannehill, who was not nearly as elusive as Deshaun Watson was initially thinking as he had to prepare for the Steelers early last week, he knew he was going to be in, in some pain. And, and I guess, fortunately for him, his, his uh, painful uh, uh, post-Steelers week will, will take place uh, at the end of October because that game has been rescheduled for October 25th. But it's just it's just amazing how this this Steelers defense just continues to bring the pressure t- uh, week after week and going on a, a half decade now of, of excellence. I mean, they uh, they struggled for years getting after the quarterback. Once that defense, the, the legendary defense of Dick LeBeau, once that started to get get uh, old and, and slow when it's over, to quote Warren Sapp. They struggled for years to to put any pressure on the quarterback. But, you know, um, bringing in so many uh, great athletes over the years, from from Bud Dupree to Stephen Tuitt, obviously Cam Hayward, and now T.J. Watt, Vince Williams, and a change of philosophy, as I mentioned already in a previous show, a change of philosophy and and basically weaponizing the defensive ends, you know, before the, in the, the old uh, Steelers defense, the, the defensive ends and the, they, they were, their responsibility was mainly to occupy as many blockers as possible and, and to free up the linebackers. Well, now they're, 
there uh, uh, Keith Butler came in and sort of sort of uh, uh, took the handcuffs off of them and and they let them uh, he, he let them get after the passer and now as you see they could bring pressure from everywhere from the defensive line from the linebackers and of course from the likes of uh, of Mike Hilton who's probably the best blitzing defensive back in the in the National Football League right now so it's just amazing that that this team, this defense, continues to bring pressure, and 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 I would not want to face this this defense. I mean, I realize you can get some points against you can get some points against anybody in, in today's NFL. It's just how it is. It's hard to to shut a team down for four quarters, but I, I certainly want to want to face that pass rush uh, if I'm if I'm an opposing quarterback. I don't care who who I am. If it's Cam Cam Newton. Uh, or or Tom Brady, I would not want to face that pass rush because you're gonna you're gonna be feeling it the next day. That's for sure. So uh, so that's pretty much all I have to say about that game. And I just want to talk about some some individual uh, parts of that game, some some in individual aspects of that game, and starting with the uh, the receiving core. Um, I think the question coming into this season was did the Steelers have a number one receiver? And I'm not so sure after three weeks, if they truly do a, a true number one receiver, uh, certainly not anybody who, who approaches the, the talent and the, and the, and the production of, of, a, of a Antonio Brown, right? I don't think they have that guy, at least not yet. I mean, maybe somebody develops into that. I think at, at the moment, Juju Smith Schuster is the closest they have to that, but, what I like about them this year is, is uh, you have Juju Smith-Schuster leading the he leads the the team in both receptions with 17 and, and receiving yards with 160, but directly right behind him is Deontay Johnson, the second year receiver. He has 14 receptions for 149 yards, and in the middle is is Chase Claypool. I don't remember how many catches he has. I think he has six or eight. Forgive me for not knowing that, but he has 151 receiving yards. And of course, he had that big score in week two, the 84 yarder. He's he's quickly developed into a deep threat. Obviously, he had that 48, that 84 yarder against the uh, the Broncos. And then last week, he drew a a, a pass interference on a deep uh, deep throw. It didn't lead to a touchdown, but it led to it led to a field goal. But uh, he didn't he didn't make the catch on that play, obviously. But what's the difference? A 40 yard catch or a 40 yard pass interference? call it's the same thing essentially so uh i, I like the way uh ben is uh distributing the wealth you know uh, johnson leads the, leads the way with 25 targets and uh juju is second with 19 and then it just kind of goes on down the line from there eric ebron is now getting more and more involved you saw that spectacular athletic touchdown he had early in the game last week the spinning catch in, in, in the corner of the end zone. I think that's that's what makes him such a great weapon. He's uh he's not quite a, a traditional tight end, and he's and he's not quite a receiver. He's somewhere in between, and that's a, a great weapon to have. And and even Vance McDonald got into the act last week. He he looked he looked a little bit like Mark Bavaro on some of those catches at the end of the game, bowling people over. We haven't really seen that out of him since since the uh, the stiff arm from hell in 2018 on Monday Night Football. So. It was nice to see McDonald getting in the act. And the great thing about, about what Ben's been able to do so far through three games is 
he's been incredibly productive. He had what 229 yards the the first game, 301 or 311 the second game, and 237 last week. But and he has seven touchdowns and only one interception. That's that's incredible production through three weeks. But because he's been distributing the football around so much, and because the no receivers really had a huge game yet, it just doesn't feel like it. And I think that's great. I think that's great. I think um, he's he's looking for the open man. He's not worried about trying to get the ball to to AB like he was before. He kind of alluded to that in his uh, talk with the media the other day about how you know he doesn't really have the the pressure of, of trying to get the ball to any one particular receiver. Now he's just looking for the open man. Uh, two years ago, he threw 16 picks and nine or 10 of them were when he was trying to hit Antonio Brown. And, and, you know, you know, you, I applaud the kind of career that Antonio Brown had when he was here. I thought he was excellent. I think in many ways he was the greatest receiver the Steelers have ever had, but, but he was a diva. He was a classic diva receiver and, he was always in Ben's ear or the coach's ear yapping about how he was open. And a, a diva receiver, whether it's Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, you name them, they always think they're open. Even when they're not open, they, they think they can get open on the very next play. So that had to be kind of exhausting and, and, and a lot of pressure to, to get him the ball all the time. And he doesn't he's not feeling that this year, I don't think, at least not yet. So. So uh, I, I like I like the Steelers receiving core. It's 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 deep, and it, it's 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 you, you, you kind of get a it's kind of like a platoon situation. I think Juju's the go-to guy that a- Antonio Brown was, and I think Deontay Johnson's the volume guy in a lot of ways that Antonio Brown was. Like Antonio Brown was like he was Mister Everything. He was the go-to guy. He was the volume guy. He was the guy that they ran the offense through the passing game through. Whereas now Ben has several receivers he can, who can be that guy, and I think that's 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 a valuable thing for for uh, uh, for this uh, season moving forward. 